This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to Skaboom listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash skaboom. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash Skaboom. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Although there are a lot of fantastic songs with great intros, in certain cases, the opening bars of a track become so instantly recognizable and iconic that they transcend the song that spawned them. I'm talking about intros like I Want You Back by the Jackson 5, which is the intro music for this episode, or Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, that compel you to keep listening, either because the intros build anticipation and lead into something great, or they're just so catchy that even if you turn them off, they'd be stuck in your head. Okay, now let's give the iconic intro to this episode's song a listen. As soon as you hear that drum intro played by Everett Morton of The Beat, you immediately know what's coming next. A driving bass line from David Steele, followed by the eerie otherworldly sounds of saxophonist Saxa, and then Dave Wakeling calling out to his reflection in the bathroom mirror like a character in a Shakespeare tragedy. Even if I don't play any more of the song, you can hear it playing in your head right now, can't you? That's how iconic Mirror in the Bathroom is. We've all heard the song so many times, that its impact may have been dulled over the last 40-plus years. In this episode, I'm revisiting Mirror in the Bathroom with fresh ears to make the case that its legacy is assured and its impact on American ska music remains influential. Hi, I'm Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Two-Tone Legacy, a special audio documentary series of the Ska Boom podcast that focuses on the stories behind 10 iconic songs that contribute to the enduring legacy of two-tone music and its ongoing impact on popular culture. It's my humble opinion 
that Mirror in the Bathroom by The Beat is the most distinctive song of the 80s, let alone the entire two-tone era. As a two-tone disciple, I've been influenced by some of the best drum and bass sections ever, including Horace Panter and John Bradbury of The Specials and Mark Bedford and Daniel Woodgate of Madness. That said, I want to pay my respects to the unique talents of the Beats rhythm section. I think it's fair to say that the timeless quality of the Beats sound is defined by Morton's distinctive drumming style that includes syncopation and polyrhythm within a rock beat. He plays the entire kit percussively versus the familiar kick drum snare hi-hat style favored by others, employing rim shots where you would normally expect to hear the snare drum. Influential to many, Morton should have been a household name. Sadly, he's not. Steele remains a musical hero of mine. I have always admired his innovative and inventive bass lines, which define many of the Beats' classic songs and have completely influenced my own bass style. Steele's bass lines in the beat took the Jamaican style of ska and added a harder, punk-rock-influenced approach. It comes to fruition in Mirror in the Bathroom, which is largely built on top of a driving eighth-note bass line that runs through the entire song, creating a sense of deep foreboding. Break the song down. First, it clocks in at an incredible 171 beats per minute. It would stand out just based on its tempo alone. Now let's put the tempo into context. The average tempo of the top 20 best-selling songs from 2020 is 122 beats per minute. That makes Mirror in the Bathroom nearly 50 beats per minute faster than the average pop song of today. Mirror in the Bathroom is an odd song, and its oddness is what makes it all the more extraordinary and revolutionary. Much of that has to do with the fact that Morton and Steele are outliers when it comes to their chosen musical instruments. They might be the most unlikely rhythm section ever. According to Wakeling, Steele was the Mozart of the bass, a taciturn genius of the time. He told the Penny Black website in 2015 that Steele started playing things on the bass guitar that none of us had ever heard of before. The first band that he'd been in had two bass players and a drummer. One bass player played really low, and Steele would play the melodies really high. When we would start rehearsing, he would start out with a typical bass guitar line, and about three minutes in, he would play the melody. On some songs, we would just let him come up with a bass line, and it was our job to figure out the rest. Other times, the other instruments were making a dominating pulse, and all of a sudden, the bass line appears. It worked in different ways, really. Morton was also an unorthodox genius. He immigrated to England from St. Kitts in the mid-60s, working in a kettle spinning factory and playing music in the evenings and weekends. He first learned the drums when his cousin asked him to join his band. After a stint at drum school in Birmingham, followed by practicing almost constantly on the furniture in his house, Morton developed his own style. The uniqueness of Mirror in the Bathroom and the Beats sound may have been a happy accident, having much to do with how differently Morton and Steele approached their instruments. According to Wakeling, David Steele was a punk with a clear idea of what he wanted and where he was going. Everett Morton was a left-handed drummer. He had his kit set up like a right-handed drummer, but played it left-handed. His was an original style, and if you worked with it, it sounded real unique. 
So what exactly are the mechanics behind the success of the song as a piece of music? In my mind, it's the unusual combination of Morton's drums, which are a variation on a stepper's beat, in which the kick drum is played on all four downbeats in each measure, leaving lots of room to vary the snare, toms, cymbals, and percussion, with the frenetic 2-2 time of Steele's punk bass playing. 2-2 time, you ask? Yes. For non-musicians, 2-2 time is 4-4 time cut in half. Each measure consists of two half notes, so it sounds like 4-4 time, except it has a stronger accent on the third beat of each measure. This meant the bass line for Mirror in the Bathroom magically locked into Morton's hyper-reggae-style drums that fall on the three. I also need to mention that the band's producer, Bob Sargent, deserves credit for creating the band's early sound. Sargent's intermittent use of dub-like echo throughout the song, particularly on Morton's rim clicks, contrasts with its sharp surface textures, increasing its alienating impact. Now about those lyrics. They are just as responsible for the success of the song as the music. But just what are they about? For years, many Americans misinterpreted the song to be about cocaine. It wasn't, as Wakeling told Song Facts website. In America in the early 80s, everybody gave me knowing winks and said, oh, I know what that one's about then, Dave. And it wasn't that mirror in the bathroom at all. It was the one on the wall and not the one on your knee. And oddly, songs can become sort of strangely prophetic. But certainly at that time, nobody in the band had any money or any access to cocaine until after the song was out. Wakeling told the real story behind the lyrics to the Song Facts website a few years ago. I was working in construction at the time, and it was the winter. I'd forgotten to hang my jeans up to dry them out overnight. And so when I got into the bathroom to shower up, I noticed my jeans were still on the floor, soaking wet, covered in sand. So I hung them up, thinking, well, it's probably best to have them steaming hot and wet and cold and wet. And uh, had a shower, went to shave, and it was snowing, and I really, really didn't want to go. So I sort of started talking to myself in the mirror as um, as I was shaving up. And it was weird because then I looked a bit deeper in the mirror and I could see the little catch on the door behind, you know. And I said to myself, look, Dave, there's just me and you in here. The door's locked. We don't have to go to work, you know. <laughs> but of course we did. Uh, I got on the motorbike and I just started pondering it as I skated my way to the construction site on this motorbike. And uh, and that's how it started. It was uh, thinking about how self-involvement turns into narcissism and how narcissism turns into isolation and then how isolation turns into self-involvement again and how what a vicious cycle that can become, you know. So then I just started thinking about different situations where people would ostensibly look like they were doing something but in fact, they were checking their own reflection out. And uh, you'd see it perhaps on um, Saturday afternoon with people window shopping. Mm -hmm. But half the time, they were actually just looking at their own reflection. And, uh, and then this restaurant had opened, and it was like a big deal at the time because it had got glass tables. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you can watch yourself while you are eating. So it, uh, that was what it was about. Paul Williams, author of You're Wondering Now, the specials from Conception to Reunion, and the lead singer of The Scapones, explained how the lyrics and music came together to create something sublime. 
I mean, the the driving, the bass line is without doubt one of the best bass lines in music I've ever heard, I think. Uh, Dave Steele already had that bass line, I do believe. Um, and Dave Wakelin realised he had some sort of poem or something like that he was, or prose, something he could put to it, and, uh, and that's where the actual song came from. This unique sound that Morton and Steele created together is also prevalent in Twist and Crawl, Ranking Full Stop, and other early beat songs and it served as the blueprint for much of the late 80s and early 90s American ska boom that followed. Just listen to any early songs by Fishbone, like Skanking to the Beat, for instance, which is 168 beats per minute to hear Morton's influence. Once Fishbone was off to the races with the beat-inspired sound, other original American ska bands like Bim Scala Bim with Mark Ferrante, a Steel fan, on bass, and the Toasters featuring Jonathan McCain on drums, a Morton fan, jumped in as well, helping to create an American ska variant that took rock, pop, punk, funk, and reggae and set it to 170 beats per minute. This new sound was fast, tight, clean, precise, and very danceable. This was the sound of third wave ska, 
and Morton and Steele were the originators. As for Mirror in the Bathroom, Williams says the song is a complete package and one that should never be covered. You know, I mean, the song is itself, I think, has been likened to Lost in the Supermarket by The Clash as well, lyrically as well. Uh, of course, the Beat were big Clash fans, weren't they? They were big Clash fans. Um, I just think it's it's just a master. And, and Sax's saxophone on there is just sublime, isn't it? The whole thing, it's a complete package. It really is a complete package. And um, it's instantly, instantly recognisable. And I do think that if people cover certain songs, I do believe if cover bands or whatever you want to call it, dude covers, there's some songs that should never be touched. And I think Mirror in the Bathroom is one because it can never, ever be replicated. It is perfection uh, and there's nothing that can come close and nothing I've heard has come close to it that's been covered. You know, just leave well alone. <laughs> so that's, what I, that's what I think. Uh, but it is it's, it's quintessential beat. I don't disagree with him. But there is one cover version of the song I rank pretty highly by the punk band Fifi from the 1998 SLC punk movie about young punks in Salt Lake City, Utah in the 80s. hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Legacy of Two-Tone. I want to thank my co-producer and engineer Rob George for making me sound good and to Paul Williams for his contribution. 
My book, Ska Boom, is available from DeWolf Publishing at DeWolf.com. That's D-I-W-U-L-F.com, as well as Amazon. Thanks for listening and take care.